0: Hey Queeros, Cami here. I keep reporting, reporting? Recording stuff from on the road, so maybe it doesn't have that like crisp sound quality that you're used to. But why is that? It's because I am touring around. You can see me in Philadelphia, September 3rd through 5th, or Portland, September 15th, to San Francisco, September 16th. Los Angeles, September 19th, Chicago, October 2nd, and Salt Lake City, October 14th. The venues have different protocols for exactly how they're keeping us safe, but most of them are mask plus vacs, and none of them are just like a free-for-all. So please um, head on over to CameronEsposito.com slash tour hyphen dates. Can't wait to see you there. Also today on the show. Brooke Eden. She's an out lesbian country artist. I love talking to her. She taught me a lot. And um I can't wait to see her on tour. Bye. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still on, I know, I know, I know it's careless. Well, hi. Hi. <laughs> I uh, I always start the podcast by having guests introduce themselves. Will cool. you introduce yourself?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm Brooke Eden. I am a country artist. What else should I say?
0: No, I think you I think you nailed it. Yeah. Yes, you are a country artist. Um, does that is that what you say if you're a musician? If you're a country musician, do you say you're a country artist? I've just never I don't know anything about So music.
1: Yeah. So it I mean, I feel like kind of if anybody would say they're an artist like if you're a singer that writes music ah. then you're an artist because you're like creating your music versus like saying I'm a country singer would be like I'm a singer but I don't write kind of a thing
0: I think I had no idea that that was the distinction so you, yeah thank you for telling so you write your music yes oh I actually didn't know that even yeah. though I've listened to it because because I think that that's one of those things that um I also didn't, I don't know when it was that I realized that some people don't, like even in the world of music. But, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of my childhood that where I felt like, wow, all of these people are really singing their feelings. And some people are just singing. Other people's feelings. Somebody else's feelings. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well,
1: what's really funny about like 90s country is that almost nobody wrote their songs. Like 90s country, they were country singers, you know, they were like really great. Right. Singers who would come in and sing other people's songs. And that's kind of how Nashville worked for so many years. Is like you have the songwriters and they would pitch their songs to the singers, and then the singers would make their songs famous. But now it's sure. kind of like Taylor Swift came in and was like, ah let's I'm let's like fuck whole thing." Up. Is that who did it? Yeah. It wasn't Dolly. Dolly, of course, is known for you know being being the country artist of country artists for sure. But it became, like, you have to write songs if you're a country artist, like when Taylor came out, pretty much.
0: Wow. And... Yeah. You... Where do you live?
1: Do you live... I live in Nashville. That's what I thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, I love Nashville, by the way. I love that city. Me too. Where are Um, you? I live in Los Angeles. Oh. But the last time I was... Because I know that you just recently played the Exit Inn, which is a... I think the last place that I played when I was in Nashville. That's a cool, fun, rock Such a cool venue.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's such a cool venue. And I love how many people can fit in there. It just feels like a good amount of of humans, a good amount of energy. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked
0: it. The one thing that's challenging about it for stand-up comedy is that it is... And I I have no idea what's going on right now with COVID, although it is Nashville, so maybe nothing. But... um, Yeah. Is that it was... uh, It's standing room. It's standing room, which is for stand up a challenging situation. Although, like, its show still went great. But um, yeah, to be like, hold on and just stand there, close to each other, while I tell you these long stories with great with with punchlines. Oh my god! Intermittently placed. Yeah, yeah, that's so funny. I'm Um, sure it's a different situation for you.
1: Yeah, I kind of like. When people stand up, because it feels like okay, they're like closer to the stage, and there's like more energy being shared between us, you know, Um, rather than like sitting down and being like, okay, what you got for me, you know. Um, But I will say that um, most of the venues here are requiring either your vaccination, um, like card, or a negative COVID test. So, well, that's great. It felt so good. I went to my friend Fancy's show two nights ago and I knew that everybody in that place was either vaccinated or didn't have COVID. And you just feel like this new sense of freedom.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's also, it's such a, it's a lot of pressure to put on both a business owner and also a performer to have it just be willy-nilly. Like, I actually think that that's, you know, for on our side of things, because I don't want to create a public health crisis. Yeah making my living like that's not you know that's not something I'm trying to do and um anyway I just think it's helpful to like not have it be on us and then also not on the venue you know on the venue it really should come from like city health departments and I'm hoping that more and more places continue to do that so that we're a little bit more protected I I can think of very few um, artists or musicians or, or comics or whatever who want that as part of their like legacy. Mm, you know, I think, yeah, yeah, it's pretty, pretty dicey. Super dicey. Here's a question that has nothing to do with anything. Do you ever go to the Lipstick Lounge? I just went there for my first time like two weeks ago. Oh my God, it's that is a, is such a good place.
1: It's legendary. I like yeah. didn't, I? I didn't like really ever know anyone who went. So I was like, I don't know. It was on the corner, and it was by my friend's house. And I ended up. Somebody asked me to do a show there a couple weeks ago, and I was like, "Hell yeah, let's go!" And I met the owners, and everyone was so nice, and it's just like yeah. this little like love fest of a bar. It was so much fun.
0: Yeah, it's like the only queer lesbian bar within hundreds of miles for anybody who's listening who doesn't know what we're talking about.
1: Yeah, and it's the only um, lesbian bar. Yeah, we have. Like, yeah, we have. We have queer
0: bars here in Nashville. Well, I think I meant, but. I think I meant, it's hard to figure out how to say lesbian plus because it's like lesbian, but it's like, but my understanding is also that like gender non-conforming people and, you know, oh, folks like course. that would be welcome. Yeah, yeah. So
1: I mean, um, gay men go in there too, but yeah. yeah.
0: Um. But it's the only one with within hundreds of miles. I went there because my buddy Evan, who lives in Nashville sometimes, and then another friend of mine who's a um, musician- we're both like, this is where you have to go. And I, I, went by myself after a show once, and then I was very nervous because I thought everybody in this bar is going to have recently come from my shows. Certainly going to be the case. So, how will how did this that go? go? It yeah. was actually amazing because everybody just wanted to do karaoke with me, which is absolutely what I wanted to do, also. So, Perfect. what happened for you when you were doing your show? Did you, did you stick around and hang out and, and talk? Yeah. To folks?
1: It was so strange. So I actually I I played that I played Lipstick Lounge two nights before I was playing Exit In. And mm. my friend Shelly Fairchild was there and she was playing. My friend Fancy was there and he was playing. So I played and then um and then Fancy got up. I watched his set. Shelly got up, I watched her set. I went outside to like do an interview. And as I was doing my interview, I started losing my voice. Like out of nowhere. And I had a show, like a pretty, you know, my first headlining show in Nashville two nights later. So I was like, oh, I got to like shut up. And I walked in (laughs) and my fiance was in there and I was like, babe, I think I'm losing my voice. And as I said, it came, as it came out of my voice, she was like, oh no, you're immediately on vocal rest, like no talking for you. So I'm sitting at this bar. I've never been before with like my friends there. And I'm My fiance has me on mute. She was like, if you need to talk to her, I can usually, we can look at each other and I can probably translate what she's going (laughs) to say.
0: And how did it it go? Did you end up, how did your voice hold up for the show?
1: Well, I went on complete vocal rest for 48 hours. So it ended up being completely good. Came back. It was just tired. We did 24 hours of rehearsal, not in one, but over three days. We did 24 hours of rehearsal before the show. So... And my voice was just fatigued. Um, yeah. So just giving it a chance to to breathe and have a break, it was like, thanks, let's sing again.
0: <laughs> totally. Yeah. So you were talking about Taylor Swift, you know, sort of changing things in terms of writing her own stuff. Also, like, I guess, I mean, this is a real outsider's perspective, but, you know, also sort of in terms of, um, like, mood and range of topics. I mean, certainly... It felt like, you know, to me as the sort of casual listener, it's like dudes singing about trucks and whiskey, like women singing about like how he cheated or whatever. Then there's like (laughs) sort of what Dolly's doing over here off to the side. Um, And then Taylor comes in and and not that she was the first person, but just to that level of success, Mm -hmm. talking about like being a young woman in such Mm -hmm. specific terms like that feels like a real shift for the whole industry in terms of like what one could sing about. D- is yeah. That your, was that your experience or like, yeah. do you remember a moment of change there?
1: Oh, there was just so, like, she definitely changed the game. I feel like when you look back at country music, there's kind of like these big moments of Oh my change. God, yay. What are they? Anyway, <laughs> keep going, keep going. <laughs> well, I would say like probably in the late 80s when Garth came out. He was kind of seen as this, like, rebel. Like, he was, he was, like, pop back then. And they were going, "Mm, no, this is not country. This is too rock or too pop or whatever. This is never going to work. Garth Brooks today, biggest selling artist of all time, like, including the Beatles and Michael Jackson and everybody else. Um, And then Shania Twain came in. Yep. in the 90s and it was like oh man this woman isn't country she's pop and we're letting her in and you know uh, as we all know how that ended up Shania Twain's like still one of the biggest icons in country music and then Taylor Swift comes in and it was like you know she started out with the typical um country song like teardrops on my guitar which is you know crying over a boy and then slowly progressed into, you know, more of her becoming herself and speaking about it. And again, it was all Taylor Swift can't sing. She's too this. She's too young. She's too whatever. And, you know, when she, when she came into the country landscape, she was what, 15, 16. So she's not singing about
0: whiskey and, you know, and, and cold beer and, Backroads. it's her neighbor you know? that she does signs in the window with that's who she's singing about. yeah right
1: exactly exactly so um yeah i think that she just came in and, and changed things as well and also brought in like a younger demographic into country music mm-hmm. which is also what garth and, and uh, shania did, shania yeah. did. Right. and i feel like there's just these pivotal moments in country music that changes things and brings in more people and more fans and makes more people feel welcome. And I feel like that's happening right now with the LGBTQ community and also just any, like, minority background. Like, we have a mm-hmm. lot more Black artists coming into the scene. We have a Latino artist. Like, it's... Four art four country artists that I know of came out this, this year, you know? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so I think that, you know, now queer people feel like they're invited into country music and minority groups feel like they're invited into country music. And I feel like this is the new wave that's sweeping right now. And it's not necessarily one person, but a group of people who are like, why have I just been cool with not being represented in this genre for the entirety of my life?
0: Right. I mean, I, I think about also some of the stuff that you're talking about, like, I mean, I guess Garth has some like real, like I'm uh on a farm, like, looking at the prairie. Like, he has some songs that really fall into that category. But I think, you know, something else that, that like, Shania was doing that... She's describing a different type of life also. You know, it's, like, yes. her... The topics and stuff that she was talking about. And so then it's interesting, as you're talking about the most recent change, you know, I think about, like, Lil Nas X emerging as uh, an artist... <laughs> yeah while duetting with Billy Ray Cyrus and like how brilliant that was, but also how unexpected, you know and and also that even the topic that he's like choosing there is is like a throwback, you know to to like the sort of type of song that um I really think of as like tr- like traditional country music so that yeah. him singing it is a big deal. um totally. this is so interesting. i like i'm so I'm so interested in. And also, here's another thing I will say. When I was at the Lipstick Lounge, the biggest, like, thing that everybody was, this was a couple years ago, so it was sort of pre this wave that you're talking about, but uh, the biggest thing that everybody wanted to sing was Follow Your Arrow. Um,
1: oh, yeah. Because, totally.
0: like, it was in that moment of, like, we couldn't believe that Casey Musgraves, like, said, like, like, or kiss all the girls, like and, like, wait, yeah. what? You know, like, yeah. what a huge moment that was for... For all the people in that bar, so I'm curious. Since we're of like talking about all this, I don't know how old you are. Like, where were you? Sort of in these moments. Like, did you grow up with Garth and Shania? Like, what? Which yeah. moments affected I your mean, life?
1: Ki- kind of. Yeah. I mean, I was a I was five years old when I started singing Shania Twain songs. You know. So um, Garth Garth has spanned so many decades. So I feel like he's like. In everybody's childhood just because he just always puts out this music that's so epic and you could be 15 or you know 50 and feel like you grew up with garth you know but i mean shania was really like shania and the chicks and like you know trisha yearwood and you know these women i what i loved so much about shania and the chicks is that shania was always talking about like life she was like you know the car won't start it's falling apart i was late for work and the boss got smart like she's not singing about anybody else she's singing about her life and like oh you know this is being a woman is a, is hard it's it's a hustle and you know it was like she for so long, we're always singing about heartbreak and whatever, whatever the boys are singing about. And Shania comes out with "Man, I Feel Like a Woman," you know. And it was just like for me, as a five-year-old, as like a little girl, being like, "That's who I want to be. Like, I want to be someone who's who goes against the grain, kind of." You know, um, I'm like a year older than Taylor Swift, I think, and. Of course, me growing up, not knowing that I was queer until I was like in my mid-20s, I never understood Taylor Swift at first because she was always singing about boys and getting her heartbroken from boys. And I was like, girl, teardrops on your guitar. Like, come on. He's an asshole. Throw him away. You know, like, (laughs) I just didn't get it. So uh, now I like love, I love her pop stuff and love what she's done since. But, um, Shania Twain was like my girl. That was like when I knew that I wanted to be in country music was because Shania Twain was like that change that was kind of like this mixture of like this empowered woman and country music.
0: Yeah, I hear you. I mean, I was in high school when that when her big record came out, and um that was my best friend, and you're still the one was my best friend and my. Song because you know how sometimes you and your best girlfriend have really romantic songs that are your songs (laughs) together,
1: (laughs) yeah, for sure. That's super normal,
0: super (laughs) straight way of being. Um, back for another game. You know it. What's going on?
1: Just one more week till Max Fun Drive.
0: Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Because you recently did at the Opry. Mm Mm-hmm. You did She's in Love with a Girl. Yeah. So Trisha
1: Yearwood had this like iconic song. She's in love with the boy.
0: Very familiar with it. Yeah. I think it came. Why out am I, I was, like, actually three. secretly pretty aware of everything that you're talking about? It's very strange. But yeah. I'm just really proud of myself. We'll take a moment you should be real proud. You should be proud of yourself. I was about to go <laughs> on like a sidebar about Chris Gaines. Like I like really um, feel like I know more than I should in this area. So like congratulations to me. Yeah. Not, you're not, more not apparently not a casual listener. Yeah, apparently more
1: informed than you're aware of. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, Trisha Yearwood called and was like, hey, I want to do something for Pride. And that's amazing, my, first of all. First of all, let's start there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What I are you call. talking about? Yeah. Trisha Country Yearwood call. called you and said she wanted to do something for Pride. Yeah. That yep. is so awesome.
1: It was the coolest phone call ever. Um, and she said, Yeah. And I think that she felt called because she was like, I have people come up to me. I've had people come up to me for the last 30 years saying, Hey, don't tell anybody, but I change the words to he's in love with the boy or I change the words to she's in love with the girl. And she's like, If I can get up there and sing about who I'm in love with every night, I feel like everybody should be able to sing who they're in love with. And she was like, Would you want to? You know, take she's in love with the boy and change the words to she's in love with the girl to celebrate Pride Month and you and Hillary getting engaged.
0: And you were like, no, honestly, I'm not even interested. This doesn't (laughs) even sound cool. No. I'm sure you were losing your mind. That's awesome. Well, I was losing my mind, but I also was like, honestly, a little nervous, like, mm.
1: about the venue because she was like, do you want to do it at the Opry? Well, the <laughs> Opry, you know, it's a very diverse crowd. Most of these people are coming from small towns and they're right, like, what do we right. have to do when we're in Nashville? We right. go to the Opry.
0: Right. Yeah. So
1: I was like, are we going to get tomatoes thrown at us? Like, right.
0: Yeah. You know, it's not you playing for... Everybody that's there just to see you who like already is signed on for your identity and loves that. It's like, yes. was at the going to they're gonna go to the brunch at the Opera Land Hotel. Yes. Go
1: <laughs> yes. Um, exactly. And that was nerve-wracking for me. And I just said, like, are you sure? And she was like, Yeah. Like, it's time for this. If people don't, she's like, I think that there will be a ma- major uh overwhelmingly positive response but for anybody who you know doesn't like it this is country music this is what we're doing here like you know there's not a place there's not room for you here anymore and and so I was like you're right like why am I letting homophobic homophobia just come into my genre of music and just like expect that before I expect allyship like, why am I expecting that? Why are we letting that be the norm?
0: Oh, that's... I love that.
1: You so know? did you rehearse with her? So we rehearsed at the Opry just, like, before we went on. So, like, Had three you played hours. there before? Oh, yeah. I played there, like, 20-something Does times. Does everybody play there? I don't really understand how it no, works. No. Not everybody plays there. You kind of get, like... When you get the phone call that you're getting an Opry debut, like... That's a thing. Like that's a moment. Huge, big deal.
0: Yeah. And then once you get that debut, is it like a, it's like a showcase of a bunch of different um, artists. And so once you're in, you might be rebooked kind of a thing. Totally. Yeah. Got it.
1: Like it's, it's very much like a family feel. Like once you're here, you're kind of (laughs) coming back kind of thing. Yeah. But Yeah. It's a showcase. I don't know how many artists I want to say like, 12 to 15 every night. Everyone sings two or three songs. Got it. So, um, yeah, they you have like a rehearsal with the Opry band before you go on stage. So it's about three hours before we got on stage. And that was the first time that we had done it. But we had talked about it. You know, we we're like, OK, I'm going to come out and just start singing this song as if it's like my cover for the night. And then I'm going to be like, man, I wish Trisha Yearwood was here. And then Trisha Yearwood walks out. Right. So we kind of planned that before. Because in the beginning, Trisha was like, I just want you to go out there and sing She's in Love with the Girl. And I was like, whoa, okay. Um, I don't feel comfortable doing that. I was like, I feel like it has to be your idea. Like, it has to be the artist's idea. The original artist's idea to change the song in that way. And she was like, oh, I totally get that. Cool. Yeah. So I sang She's in Love with the Boy up until Trisha got on stage because it's a third the third person song, like it's about Katie and Tommy. It's not about me. So she ended up changing the words in the middle to Brooke and Hillary. And we changed it to she's in love with the girl for like the final chorus. And the response from the Opry was incredible from the Opry crowd was incredible. Like she started talking about pride month and we just got cheers and talked about, you know, us getting engaged and more cheers and it was just like so comforting and relieving and just like this signal of hope ahead that you know that we could be in such a sacred country music space and not feel homophobia coming back to us but feel true allyship coming back to us and that was I mean it was just it was a moment it really was a moment wow
0: wow i mean that's that's really powerful to hear about
1: what did you do after that show (laughs) oh my god honestly uh, so i we got off stage and trisha like puts her arm around me and she's like girl we did it like uh, no tomatoes and i was like no tomatoes and then we like walked backstage and she was like oh i didn't want to tell you but I was so nervous for the show. Ah. I was so nervous about the reaction and just didn't want to put you in that scenario Mm -hmm. where this was my idea and then something bad happens. She was like, I didn't think that was going to happen, but just like that little slim chance that it could. She's like, I was nervous. She's like, I worked out before the show and I don't do that. And I was like, Trisha, I Pelotoned before the show and I don't Peloton." (laughs) So we both were in this, like, whoo, it felt like, it felt important, you know? It felt like this moment of, like, this crossover where you don't have to be queer or country. You can be queer and country, and here's the icon of country music that's going to stand behind this new artist who is just trying to live her life, you know? We just felt like we needed to do it justice, you know? Like, we felt like... We didn't want to like mess it up or we wanted the response to be right. And honestly, it, it couldn't have gone better. But before the show, you just you just have those little fears and those little anxieties of like,
0: absolutely, man,
1: what could this be? You know, this yeah. could be amazing or or it could kind of go, ugh, this is nerve wracking,
0: you know. T- totally. Yeah, I, I absolutely do know, actually. I mean, I don't know. I think about all the times I've done stand up. For television specifically, it's always like a little bit of a feeling of, you know, it's not based on nothing. It's based on actual experiences of rejection. And it's not like something I invented in my brain that has never happened to me before. So I think, you know, you're right. And especially with that sort of like bigger open crowd that's there for a different reason than you Mm -hmm. um, that might be there for vacation or really excited that they got tickets to this thing that means something to them and, and here you are just injected into that and being the person that, that I happen to be or, or whatever. Um, Totally. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: It was a moment. Um, but I will say like, just in general, this pride month in Nashville was a whole new wave of love and acceptance for their community. I mean, I have never seen it like this before, and I think that 2020 had a lot to do with it just because we all had a moment to, like, be in our own heads and go, like, why do why do we have homophobia toward people, or why do we dislike somebody because of the color of their skin? Like, do any of us really have this energy anymore, you know, like, mm-hmm. the energy to hate somebody because of who they love, you know? So... I don't know. I also think, you know, TJ Osborne of Brothers Osborne came out and Lily Rose is new on the scene and she's out and I came out this year. And it's just like this visibility of artists that the country music fans have been seeing for years. You know, I put out my first radio song five years ago and Brothers Osborne have, you know, been out for seven years. And you fall in love with these artists who, you know, write your favorite songs and sing your favorite songs. And then later you realize that they're queer and you're like, cool. Love you just as much as I did before. Sounds great. Or, Oh my God, I love you even more. Like, I feel like I know you more. And I just feel like this visibility of queer people in this industry has awakened so many different like country music gatekeepers and just like important parts of this industry that they're like, oh, okay, we're awake. We see what's happening. Like we want to be a part of this wave that's happening and introduce, you know, uh, hopefully let queer people know that they're welcome here. And I think that that just allowed this Pride Month to be something so different than ever.
0: You made the decision to come out. um, When did you, when, I know you said this year, when, what month? Yeah. um,
1: Well, you know, it was, it was kind of like little by little. I would Mm -hmm. just like put up pictures of my then girlfriend and I. um, And, but in January, I I honestly was just trying to figure out how to use TikTok. (laughs) And they were like, you know, put some stuff up. Uh, you know about your life and kind of how you got here, and yeah, just like put pictures up, and it turns it into a video. And I was like, okay, cool. So I like started putting together like these pictures of Hillary and I, and of me out on the road, and kind of just like explained um, uh, the story of like how I got started, and then met the love of my life, who so happened to be a girl, and we fell in love. And I was told that I couldn't, we couldn't, you know, we would have to keep our relationship a secret and, or otherwise I was going to lose my career. And now we're on the other side of things. And she's about to be in these music videos that are coming out. So like, kind of hold your horses, like, you know, get ready for this. And I just did this as like, let's just see what TikTok's all about. I posted it on TikTok and it went viral. And then I'm getting phone calls from my label. That's like, oh, so we're doing this like now. And I was like, yeah, I guess we are, you know, like it's time. I'm about to put out this music. That's all centered around love and being in a romantic relationship with my girlfriend. And, you know, we're about to put out these music videos that is me and my girlfriend, like very much in love. So uh, yeah, I think we should probably let the people know, you know, like we should probably like, warn, warn the people who like used to listen to my old songs that like this is about to happen. And, like, you know, let's do this thing. So uh, I guess January is kind of, you know, when that video went out, and then my music started coming out in February. And the music videos that went along with it were like, you know, me and Hillary in the music video. So then it became like a
0: very clear. (laughs) What made you make the decision to use your actual partner for those videos?
1: Um, well, first of all, she would have like absolutely killed me if I was in a video with somebody else, you know, like it just, I can't imagine being in a video with anybody other than her. And like, you know, these songs are about falling in love and, it was just like so clear that it had to be her. I mean, the other option would have been for me to kind of narrate and then there'd be like another couple. But for me, it was important. Like there's there wasn't like a a lesbian artist, a lesbian country artist at the time. And I felt underrepresented in my own genre of music. And I'm like, well, other people have to feel underrepresented as well. If somebody's going to do it, I waited around for so many years for somebody else to do it. It's not happening. So it might as well be me. Like maybe somebody else is waiting for me to do it, you know? Um, And I also just felt like, you know, the first time I put out music, I was dating her and I wasn't really allowed to talk about that. And it just affected me in every single way. I like got really bad ulcers in my small intestine and had all these really bad health issues. And it affected my... Oh, it was terrible. And it affected my life in every single way. And I mean, it was just toxic for my body. It was toxic for my mind. And I just knew that this time around, if I was going to put out music, I had to be my authentic self because being somebody else wasn't working for me. And... I read this book, Untamed, by Glennon Doyle.
0: Oh, Glennon's a good friend.
1: Oh, I love her so much. Um, And just like uh, she has this um, paragraph about integrity and explains it in just like a very black and white way. But I guess I had never really thought about it in the way that she put it. And it was just like this light bulb moment for me where she was like, you know, integrity is when you are to the world who you are in your house. And I realized that I was living my life with zero integrity. Mm-hmm. I was one person in my house with my with our close friends and family members, people who we felt safe with. And then I was a completely different person to my fans and to the outside world. And I was just tired of living like that. And I just refused to continue living like that. So when that moment happened, I just, I called my manager and I was like, hey. I think it's time for me to come out. At one point we were like, we'll come out once we have a number one, we'll come out. It was like trying to be this very like, constructed thing. And I was like, that just doesn't feel natural to me at all right now. So can we just, just uh, not can we, we are going to be public about this. and And I just have to do this. I have to do this for myself. I have to do this for the little kid who's, living in Alabama and has never seen someone like them before we're doing it for them. We're doing it for us. Like we just, we can't do this anymore. So yeah. And my record label was like completely on board. Like, hell yeah. Not only do we like support this, we encourage this. Like you can't be an artist and be singing about this love that you have and then like acts like you're dating boys. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not going to work. So There were a lot of different
0: steps, but yeah. Yeah. When you were going through all that, you know, stress and the physical effects, was it when what what was most on your mind? I guess I'm wondering, was it like that you would be found out or were you under the strain of just sort of half speaking? Do do you know what I'm saying? Were you, were you more, do, do you have a, an understanding if you were more worried that people would would figure it out and and put things together? Or was it just the stress of not being your authentic self for all of it?
1: Oh, I mean, would put together that we were together. I mean, they, I was told that I would lose my career Mm -hmm. if people found out. Right. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I was afraid I was going to say her or she in an interview versus, you know, talking about some boy that I had a relationship with in the past, you know, like, um, So you were yeah. actively
0: using key. It wasn't, it wasn't like that. It wasn't, that it didn't come up at all. Oh it was, yeah. You were talking I would about talk relationships about relationships like, from the past.
1: Yeah. I would be like, oh, I was in a relationship with this guy. And da da it was yeah. never like a current thing. Like it was right. never like, oh, right. I'm dating this guy right now. But it was like, I mean, some of the songs back then were about past relationships that I right. had with guys. But some of the songs were about past relationships that I had with a girl and I didn't, I would never say that, you know? So yeah, I mean, I had worked my entire life to be a country artist. Like since I was five years old, this is what I knew I wanted to do. So you put in the time, you put in the energy, you move away from your family, you hustle, you don't get sleep certain nights, you do all of these things to get a record deal in country music. And then you're told, hey, if you come out and and tell people about your relationship, your career is done. And love, uh, I just thought because my whole life, I didn't know that I was queer. I thought I was just not boy crazy. Like I just saw my friends and they were falling in love and they were so heartbroken when they got broken up with. And Like, I just thought, well, I'm the normal one and they're just boy crazy. And I just haven't found that person yet, you know? And then, you know, I, I just kind of thought love isn't really for me. Like, I'm just not wired like that. I had these, I had boyfriends all throughout, you know, my life into my twenties and was just like, man, you're so cute. You are so cute. You're so nice you're so, you're so nice. I just don't want to spend forever with you or like, even tonight, right now. Really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or or even right now, but I'm doing it yeah. because I know I'm supposed to. And like, I'm, I'm sure at some point I'll like get this feeling that everyone else feels. I'm sure that'll happen. It just hasn't happened yet. Um, So I just thought I was kind of heartless. Like my whole entire life, I just kind of thought I'm a career woman. I can't be you know, bogged down with love. Like, this is crazy. I had never really seen true love in my life before. My parents were divorced and kind of everyone in my family had been divorced. So I had just never really seen this like movie kind of love. So I was just like, this is not something I'm going to have. And I was like, cool with that. I was like, I really want to be a mom. I'll adopt. Don't really care about being a wife. Great. Sounds good. And then I meet Hillary and I'm like oh my God, I want to spend forever with you and have babies with you and die together with our hair braided on a front porch. Like, <laughs> you know? like How did you meet? Uh, she actually worked for my record label. And classic, we were out. Uh, classic I, tale? It's such a classic tale. And we were, I was like, yeah, we're about to go out for my first single. I'm meeting all of country radio. And this like tall glass of water walks on to, the bus. And I'm like, Oh my God, you are beautiful. And I'm just like, you're my soul sister. You're awesome. You're gonna be my new best friend. You're so cool. And three days in, I'm like, no, don't feel this way about my friends. Like, (laughs) uh, I think I'm in love with this girl, but, um, can't be. And so I didn't say anything. And two weeks later, she actually called me and was like, Hey, um, I'm going to need you to get drunk tonight. And then I'm going to need you to FaceTime me. And that's all I can say. Okay. So get drunk <laughs> and call me later. <laughs> I was like, okay, sounds good. And um, I did a really good job of getting drunk. I had a fishbowl margarita in Arizona. I was out on radio tour and um, came home and FaceTimed her. And five hours later, we were like, I'm in if you're in. And it was yeah, it was like 3 weeks from the day that we met that we like decided to just forget about the world and not care what anybody else thought and
0: we were in love with each other. I have so many follow-up questions, <laughs> some of which may be too personal, so feel free. I mean, open book over here. When this happened, this FaceTime? Had y'all mm-hmm. not even smooched?
1: Hadn't smooched, hadn't touched. I mean, we'd hugged each other, but yeah, that's
0: it. No. So you're in Arizona where Uh she's she's in Nashville? She's in Nashville. Yeah. And then, like, what's the moment where you see each other again after this, like, FaceTime declaration, but never having touched (laughs) besides a hug? Well,
1: of course, you're like, oh God, like, I hope that there's this chemistry that we feel like emotionally yes. is there physically at all, you know, like it's yep. <laughs> gonna be bad. Um but it was actually wild. It was like December first of twenty fifteen that we had this conversation. And we didn't see each other again until December 14th because sure. our schedules were just out crazy. And were I you talking the whole time? Oh constantly constantly like, talking. Non stop. Yep. Yep. Non stop talking. 4 a.m. every night talking, and um, I picked her up from the airport. She went on a cruise with her family, and I picked her up from the airport. One second, Dolly, hush. My dog, your dog's name is Dolly. Yes, of course. Of course, course, yeah. And I picked her up from the airport, and it was like this moment where we're like, "We hope this is good." Yeah, yeah. And we just had this like incredible, magical like first kiss. She was like, "Can I kiss you now?" And I was like, "Yes." We had this magical first. Where are kiss. you? Are you
0: like at the airport we parking are sitting lot? In the airport,
1: like, <laughs> like there, there used to be these like cutoffs where you could park at the BNA at the Nashville Airport sure, and like, totally. wait for somebody. Yep. So we were sitting parked in one of those little slots, and yep. we we're just like mooching out and then this the like parking attendant like walks up to us and she like knocks on the thing and she's like sorry you guys gotta go and we were like oh my god sorry <laughs> we got lost in it this is our first kiss you know um, oh my god so like thank god we like <laughs> really liked kissing each other because we we totally just like committed to like life with each other after that first time wow yeah It was like the emotional connection was so real and raw. And it was like, we both were in relationships when we met each other. And it was so strange because the moment that we met, like within a week of each other, we felt like we were cheating on each other just emotionally because we were with other people. Was she aware of her sexuality? Oh, she was. Yes, she was with a girl. Got it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was. It was like this, this thing that was like, if this is so strong, this emotional connection is so strong, like everything else will just follow (laughs) fingers crossed, you know, but it was like, it was this weird thing where like, we both, I had never felt like a soulmate was like a real thing. You know, that was like, not something I was looking for or like something that I thought was like, in my future whatsoever. And when I met her, it was so clear that she was my soulmate. Like, that's my person. And she felt the same way. So. Wow.
0: Well, (laughs) congratulations on your amazing story. Thank you. And y'all are engaged. We are. But not yet married. Correct. Yeah. Well, I'm very excited for you and to see how the next phase goes um thank you thank you that's awesome before i we're like almost at the end of our time so before i send you back into your day i just wanted to ask if you would shout out a queero which is a person place or thing that made you feel that you can be who you are today a queero yeah like a queer hero but it can be people have asked it can be it can be like a place or it can be like a piece of media Uh, Lady Gaga.
1: Oh, awesome. was that for me. Yeah. Nobody's ever said that.
0: I don't know why that's true.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, I just remember when Born This Way came out and I just felt so seen, you know, I was just like, there's, I felt so alone for a long time. Just like, I don't feel like there's anybody like me. And then you realize like you walk into this incredible queer community when you come out and it's like, oh my God, there's so many incredible people incredible Mm -hmm. people like me who are going through the same things that I went through. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, that just that her whole persona of like, like we're all freaks and it's the way that it should be, you know, just like hit me so hard. And I was like, I feel seen. That was big for me.
0: Yeah. She's pretty awesome at, um, I mean, I think she's younger than me by a significant amount of time. And I feel like, I she's somebody that I look up to. Um, She's like your mom. Like your freak monster (laughs) monster mom. (laughs) Yeah, she's just very good at sort of saying, like, what would be the problem with that when people ask her invasive or shitty questions? I just think about how, you know, women have been treated in the music industry or, like, the entertainment industry. And it's always about, like, sort of that goal is to, you know, catch that person out. Like, get them saying that clip that, like, betrays you know that it would be the worst thing in the world if you like thought they were you know a slut or thought they were a prude or like whatever the there's like this amazing interview with her where oh, i can't remember who she's talking to but we're, where the interviewer is like asking her like there's a recent rumor that you have a penis and she, that's just oh, yeah. like and what if i do like what would be the problem like what if i do and it's just like such a so much. you know it's just like such a good trans inclusive response and like also makes the interviewer look like a fucking idiot yeah like totally you know what yeah what why would that ma- how would that affect my um like whether or not these are i'm making good music so anyway yeah shout out to lady yeah. gaga for sure she's such a baddie she is a baddie italian yep. that makes me feel good i too am an italian person anyway yeah look we can we can keep going but um well brooke it's uh it's been really awesome to speak with you i really yes, like talking to you you too you yeah. too thanks so much for having me absolutely i can't wait to see you that someday i, I will see you and i can't wait yes. to see you yeah that would be amazing oh my god amazing yes i can't i cannot wait thanks again in real life in the flesh yes <laughs>